0: I'd just like to say, it's good to see you. Hi, Rick. What a fantastic week it's been. A uh, lot of things that are going on in, uh, in our lives, in our church, our church life. And uh, I just want to say, I, I, I want to echo what Pastor Tim said, um, I really, really appreciate each and every one of you and the investment that you have made uh, in the lives of each other, in the life of our community, and uh, I just want to say I love you, and I I really, really appreciate you. For those of you that may not know, my name is Joel Buffington. I'm the family pastor here at Grace Point Church, and uh, just uh, welcome this morning. I trust that you'll be encouraged and, uh, and blessed. We are currently in the third week of a six-week series called Home Improvement. And uh, you may be asking yourself, well, why, why would we have that kind of uh, series? Well, we're hoping to give vision, help, and hope for families, marriages, and parents. And we're doing things a little bit different if you haven't been here for the past couple of weeks. Uh, if you have questions during the, uh, during the message Please feel free to text your question to, uh, to this particular number, and uh, we'll engage with that after, uh, after the sermon, and uh, trust that uh, we'll be able to be very, very clear about the vision and the help and the hope uh, that we're trying to give for marriages, families, and, uh, and, and parents. So uh, what is this particular one about? Well, this is about marriage. For the next two weeks, we'll talking about we'll be talking about this week God's ideal as far as marriage is concerned, what He has revealed to us in the Scripture, and then the following week we'll be talking about where the reality of where we live. This is much like uh, uh, if if you've been here for the past uh, number of weeks, how we've been describing this play between God's perfect creation. And I think we've been describing it as how God created us, created the world with this perfect environment, and yet we have fallen into sin and have become broken as a result of that. And so there is this longing for us to try and reach back, to reach back to that perfection. There is this imprint of God's perfection that has been laid upon our, our, uh, our, our hearts and who we are, and so there's this longing. We know that we are broken. Families know that they are broken, and marriages know that, hey, there's none of us that are perfect. I'm the the family pastor here, and I'm a working model of the brokenness of sin standing in front of you, and yet God's grace works in my life and in your life, and we can experience that uh, over and over. So I'd like for us to think about Uh, God's design and I'm going to argue today that God designed marriage to show the world how much he loves them God designed marriage to show the world how much he loves them and what we're going to be doing is uh, if you've ever uh, gone to uh, Google Maps I love Google Maps how you can 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 play with the tabs there and you can get the view of Google Earth, and you, you see the world. It's pretty, pretty, absolutely amazing what uh, what that's gone from. I remember a, a, a day a long time ago, whenever if you wanted to go somewhere that you'd never been, you had to pull out this massive thing, and it took a it took almost a PhD to be able to fold that thing back up and get it exactly right to fit back into your glove box. You know that would be where we would store the the, the map. But today we're going to be doing much like. Uh, Google Earth or Google Maps, we're going to be taking a, a picture of what marriage is and what how God designed it to be, and we're going to look at that. And then the, the cool little thing with, with Google Maps is that there's this little icon that has a little, little like, man on it, and you can go and click on that, and all of a sudden, you're at street level. And I, I can go, and I can enter in my address and and see this, you know, oh, there it is. There's this little icon, the little swirly thing with the the red thing with a little dot in it there it is in the world and then I click that other thing and all of a sudden I'm at street level and I can tab, actually tab and look 360 degrees around and see hey there's my house and there's my neighbor's house and there's my interesting neighbor's house and you know those kind of things you can, you can see all that and so that's, that's that's what we're going to be looking at over the next 2 weeks as we look at this concept and this idea about God's design and I'm going to argue that God designed marriage to show the world how much he loves them. So then the question is as we think about this if this is God's design then what is it? And I would say that marriage According to the scriptures, his perfect design is a covenant relationship in which a husband and wife become one and ultimately reflect the love of God to the world. Now remember, we're talking about the ideal. Marriage is a covenant relationship in which the husband and wife become one and ultimately reflect the love of God to the world. The idea here is that this covenant relationship is something that is eternal. It's an everlasting covenant, and before God, there's no breaking of that covenant. It's an amazing, amazing thing. That is the ideal. That is what God intended when he created man and woman in the garden and brought the two together and called them husband and wife. And so this concept was created in perfection. In the garden, before sin entered in, before there was this brokenness that we're longing and reaching back to. Pretty amazing. So as we, as we ask the same question about what's the point of family, and Tim has led us into the, the point of family, and, and what it, what, by the way, what is the point of family? Can anyone remember? What's the point of family? Were you here? What was the point of family? Oh, to be connected to what? Represent God somewhere, some kind, how? Tim, we've got to work on this. <laughs> we are here to represent God in all we do. It's a beautiful, it's a, it's a beautiful thought. Well, hey, what's the point of marriage? I want you think about that. What then... Is the point of marriage how would you answer that particular question how would you answer that and I would say that it is a working model of how God shows his love to the world so with that in mind and we think about God's particular design for marriage I would say that there, the, the purpose of marriage, why we have marriage, really boils down to four to four things, and we 'll jump through this as we open up and look at the scriptures. Uh, if we're talking about the perfection of marriage, we're going to go to where we first see that mentioned in the scriptures in Genesis chapter one and Genesis chapter two. Genesis chapter one is like that Google Earth picture. Genesis chapter two is the zooming in and seeing uh, seeing the street level of what marriage is all about. And the first observation that we have, if you know the story, it's it's a it's a pretty uh, pretty interesting story. How God created the heavens, the earth created all the stuff that's in and then uh, created uh, the animals. And his final creation was that he created man. And and then he brought to the man... And gave man a purpose. He, he gave man work. Yes, before sin. Before sin, there was work. In the perfection of the garden, there was work. And, and he found value in that kind of thing. And God brought before the man all the animals and, and gave Adam the chance to name all the animals. And in the bringing forth of all the animals, there was something that was missing in the heart and the life of Adam. Adam. As God prayed, oh, you know, here's a rhinoceros. What, what is that? Well, it's a rhinoceros. And what is that? Well, that's a horse. Well, that's a kangaroo. Well, that's a donkey. And nothing matched. And God said, it's not good for man to be alone. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 28 through 25, God said, it's not good for man to be alone. And I will make a helper, a supporter that is suitable for him. And so the passage goes on to describe how God put man to sleep and took from man and created woman. And then God brought the woman to the man, and it's, it's like he sings this song. He, he, the, 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 it's actually a song where he's going at last I have someone that's here. you know, I hear James sing, at last my love. I'm not going to sing that for you, but (laughs) he sees this thing that is unlike a rhinoceros or a donkey or a kangaroo. It is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. This, this is it. And before the, the imperfections of sin before the brokenness of sin before disease and sickness and gray hair and varicose veins and stuff this perfect man can you imagine what Adam looked like and what he felt and God brought the perfect created woman and brings them together and God institutes marriage in the perfect, perfect environment of Eden before sin. And this institution of marriage is something that is holy. I feel like I should take my shoes off when I'm talking about this this morning. It is incredibly holy, made in perfection. And God brings the man and the woman together and I would say the first purpose of marriage is obviously for companionship. It's not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper that is suitable for him. Well, the next purpose for, <clears throat> obviously, for, uh, uh, for marriage would be family growth, for procreation. Tim has covered this already in the previous, uh, the, the, in our first session talking about the ideal is that, hey, when you bring a man and a woman together, they can be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Well, that's a, that's a given. That's, a, that's a, a cool thing, okay? But a purpose for marriage, okay? We have the purpose for, for companionship, the purpose for, uh, for, for a family growth, and then obviously a, another good one that we're uh, coming to is for intimacy, for intimacy. God in his marriage uh, vows, if you were, in his marriage design takes the man and says, this is the reason that a man will leave father and, and mother and be united to his wife. The Scripture goes on to say that there was nothing in between them or God. They were naked. They weren't ashamed at all. There was this intimacy that was vital in the marriage. That intimacy is something that all of us who are married long for. We'd long for that intimacy, that connection, that willingness as it was back in perfection to be completely open, to have nothing to hide, to have nothing to fear, to have nothing to be insecure about, but standing before each other. This intimacy that God designed for the marriage relationship is incredibly important, but if those are kind of street-level things as we look around and discover the purposes, but if we were to actually zoom back and think about God's ultimate design, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, and we'll get, we'll get here. God designed and purposed for marriage to be a working model of his love to the world. God designed and purposed marriage to be a working model for his love to the world. Why do I say that? I I want us to take your Bible and I want you to look at this beginning with verse, uh, verse 15. Verse 15, through the end of the chapter, is this wonderful teaching that Paul is writing to the church church at Ephesus, and he says this, be careful then how you live, not as wise but as unwise, making the most of every, every opportunity because the days are evil. Don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And then he begins to talk about being controlled by the Spirit, being Uh, being under the influence every day, every hour, being controlled by the Spirit of God. And then there are some ways that we do, encouraging other, using music, that, that kind of thing. And then he goes on and says, in this context, he says that we, husbands and wives, men and women, are to be submitted to each other. Verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then he gives instructions to men and women about how they play out their role in the marriage. But I want us to particularly think uh, about this incredible uh, passage here. It says this, jump down to verse 31. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. A reiteration of God's perfect design that was laid out in the garden in Genesis chapter 2. Beautiful thought. And then he goes on and says this. He says, this is a profound mystery. Anybody that's been married says, can say amen to that. I agree. The, the marriage relationship, boy, that is a mystery. How in the world am I to know and love my wife? Boy, that's, that's a lifelong job. To figure out how she thinks and, and how she, she, she reacts and why she reacts, to, uh, that's a lifelong process that we're in. This is a profound mystery. And then he goes on and says, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. And so, and I believe this is the foundation for my fourth reason and purpose for marriage, that it is to be a working model of his love to the world. John Piper says it this way, and I want to read, I want to take the time to read this uh, to you. The ultimate thing that we can say about marriage is that it exists for God's glory. That is, it, it exists to display God. Now we see how. According to Ephesians chapter five, and the verses that we just read, now we can see how marriage is patterned after christ 's covenant relationship to his redeemed people, the church, and therefore the highest meaning and most ultimate purpose of marriage is to put the covenant relationship of Christ and his church on display. That is why marriage exists if you 're married that 's why you are married if you hope to be That should be your dream. That is the big picture. That is up here in perfection as God, from from his lens, so to speak, how he sees marriage to be. Yes, it's for companionship and for family growth and for intimacy. Those are all beautiful things that reflect the greater purpose of of God demonstrating and showing His love to the world. So that's the why of that is the why of uh, of marriage, the big purpose of marriage. So how does this work? As we look out on the Google view of of of, uh, of marriage, let's zoom down for a second once again and punch the little icon and say, "So how does this work? how how How, how do we play, uh, how do we play out this thing called marriage? What is my role? In other words, what is my role? Well, God's particular design begins. Let's take a look back in your scriptures at at uh, Ephesians chapter 5, God designed marriage to show the world how much he loves them. First of all, let's look at husbands, okay? Husbands, beginning with verse 25, it says this, husbands love your wife just as Christ loved the church. And gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Pretty amazing. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. In the same way, verse 28, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. So the primary role, how this works for a husband to fulfill God's design for marriage, one of them is to be a true lover. This is God's perfection, God's perfect design to love like Christ, love the church. So I ask the question, so how did Christ love the church? Christ lived for the church, and Christ died for the church. Christ, I I, I love the, the, the verse that we were seeing, how marvelous, how wonderful, and my soul shall ever be the verse that struck me this morning as I was thinking about the message was, he took my sin and my sorrow and made them his very own. That's how Christ loved the church. Christ loved the church in that he took everything that was broken, everything that was misshapen, everything that was hurt, and he took that And made it his very own. And carried that and was willing to go to the tree and die. And now he lives forevermore in heaven, praying for, living for, interceding for the church. What an incredible thing for husbands to be called to that kind of standard. Boy, that's God's perfection, God's standard. Jump with me a couple of verses back up, back up to verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and of which he is a savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so the wife should submit to their husbands in everything. So, the husband, the role down here that works, that is designed by God for the marriage to be what God designed it to be, is simply husbands, you're to be a leader and a lover. I say simply and kind of snicker because that is the job of a lifetime. That is being controlled by the Spirit, submitting to each other, and living for that other person, for your wife, giving yourself, thinking of them, taking their sin and their sorrow and making it your very own. Wives, what's your role down here on earth in God's perfect design? Well, (laughs) simple. It says it right here in chapter 5 of Ephesians. It says this, wives submit to your husbands as to who? That's good. <laughs> wives submit to your husband as to who? The Lord. <clears throat> yes, the Lord. Submit yourselves to your husband as to the Lord. For as the husband is the head of the wife, uh, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also shall wives submit to their husbands in everything. Jump down to verse 33. However, as each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Now, how does this work? God's design. God's design up here in perfection he created husband's and wives husband is to lead his family to lead his wife and to love his wife just like Christ loved the church oh and by the way you're to love your wife just like you love your own body there's a familiar echo in there love your wife like you love your own body kind of reminds me of the great commandment love god completely and love others as you love yourself so this principle is not just for husbands it's for all of us pretty strong thought one other thought wives god created you in genesis chapter 3 and said hey it's not good for man to be alone i'm gonna make a helper a supporter Someone that come along and help him think and live and act and do. And as the wife submits to that and becomes submissive to the headship of the husband, like the church is submitted to the headship of Christ, there should be incredible respect. And when a husband loves and leads like Christ loves and leads... I would dare say there would, ne- there would never be a, a, a wife that would say, I don't want to respect that. I don't want to submit to that. And as, if, if a wife submits as the church is to submit to the Lord and to respect as someone would respect the Lord, I don't know of a husband that wouldn't want to love and lead even better. And that is God's perfect design for marriage. Clearly written out. What is marriage? It's a covenant relationship, an eternal relationship, in which a husband and wife become one and ultimately reflect the love of God to the world. And so I would say that God designed marriage to show the world how much, he loves them. Well, so we ask the question, so what? What does that mean? How does that impact me where I live today? Well, I would simply ask this. In the, in the bigger picture, am I becoming the person that God has designed me to be? Husbands, am I leading and loving? Am I becoming the person that I need to be? Husbands, am I leading Leading is active, or am I passive? Am I loving? Am I willing to love like Christ loved the church? That's a lot of work. Yes, it is. It's a lot of work. It's the standard that God laid out in perfection. Wives, am I submitting? And am I respecting? It's been said that... (laughs) it is very, very difficult for a man to be in a marriage where he's not respected. And I would say that's true. It's very, very difficult for a man to be in a marriage where he's not respected. But it's terrifying for a wife to be in a marriage where she's not loved. And men, we're called to lead and set the example. And so I would just simply ask the question, husbands, are you leading and loving? Wives, are you submitting and respecting? So what if you're single? What does this mean? (laughs) This means that God has a design for you, whether it's marriage or not. that's, That's not the point, is are you becoming the person that God wants you to be? For those of you that do desire marriage and are looking for that Mr. Right, it's not about finding Mr. Right, it's about becoming Mr. Right. It's about becoming the person that God designed you to be so that when Mr. Right or Mrs. Right comes along, they'll recognize you because you'll be in the right places, you'll have the right kind of character, and so on. So it's a good challenge to us. And the final thought is... I hope that we can catch this real vision, a real vision of what marriage is designed to be. It's designed for companionship. It's designed for intimacy. It's designed for family growth. But ultimately, it's designed to be a working model of Christ's love and his love for the world. Wow. Talk about perfection. There it is. And that's holy... But that's, in our brokenness, that is something that's a lot of work. We'll talk about that next week. And I invite uh, Pastor Tim and Chuck and Shirley to come forward. And we'll have a round table, glass table, round chat.
1: There's not as much air up here as there was down there. Is there an oxygen mask or anything you have for <laughs> people up here? No comment. No comment. <laughs> We're just going to keep moving on to the next one.
2: All right, how are we doing? Am I here today? I had like That poor sound guy's been working hard for me. Hey, I am here, right? Yes. yes, yes. We good? Okay, cool. Hey, I really do appreciate that you guys have been. Given us the opportunity to feedback like that. If you've been enjoying this, I, you know, to be able to have that time to, to interact with this afterwards has really been valuable. And you can still you can see it whether or not I can listen and text at the same time. You're still welcome to continue to text in your questions, and you'll see if I can keep up. So feel free to do that. Chuck and Tim, do you want to start with a response to this?
3: Yeah, just just quickly. I, you know, I like your analogy, Joel, of of the Google Earth. And uh, for me, though, maybe it's my computer, but. You know, when I'm zooming way up and I look down, and when I push that button going down to the street view, it's very blurry. <laughs> and it's just a lot of information there. I feel like one Sunday morning doesn't do justice oh, no. <laughs> to talk about all this uh, because I'm just so many questions in my mind. I feel that the on this one, maybe I feel it more than the family. I feel like the, the scar of sin
1: mm-hmm.
3: really has taken its toll. Mm-hmm. And so it's really hard to figure out, okay, how do we take the ideal and put it into... The real because of sin it's just a very and also a very controversial subject when you start talking
1: about marriage it's uh
3: so my street view is just a little blurry i I think that's my house i'm not sure
1: (laughs) that's good um i really appreciated how you brought ephesians 5 home to us because you helped us see that we are not to live as wise but unwise thank you which i thought was good You're not paying attention though. Was anyone paying attention that's to that? That's it? No, thank you. Some people got that. We're not to live as wise, but we're to live as unwise. Oh. I thought that was good. See? Does no one pay attention to me up here? I tell you what. Is this about normal? Did I say that? I'm
2: texting, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> I'm kidding. But hey, listen, um, here's my you did, but it was that's all right. Um, we all got it and a couple people responded, and that's thank okay. You. The rest of you, that's fine. Um, Here's what I think is great is what we're laying out for people is regardless of where you are, and here's why it's so important to talk about the ideal, is it gives us a vision of something to aim for. No doubt about the truth of what Chuck is saying or what you're saying and what you're going to press in on some of this stuff where it's broken, but if you are, if you are listening online or here this morning and you're thinking you're you're in the dating world, let's say, like the goal is not just to get a date. That's not the end game. It's not just to get married, maybe. That's not the end game. It's higher than that. It's farther than that. And this is kind of pushing out what is it, what more is there than simply, man, I hope I, hope I can get a date and don't die lonely. Like it's, it's more than that. So I'm grateful, big picture for that, to live as wise.
2: Well, actually, unwise. this isn't where I was, but you kind of led into one of the yep. questions that I was going to go to later. You know, you talked a bit, Joel, about, you know, because, you know, for those that are still in the dating relationship or still looking ahead to marriage, um, to make sure that you are Mr. Wright so that when you see Mrs. Wright, was that kind of how that went? I was texting at the time, but yeah, I think that's, yeah. Sure. You know, so that You are so that you're prepared well for marriage. But we do have some people who have now... Moved through life far enough that you, clearly, marriage does not appear to be in the cards for them. Do you want to push that out just a little bit further? On okay, now now really, how what's my role here if if God does not seem to have marriage in the cards for me?
0: Uh, I would say a, a couple of things. That's that's why I tried to bring. <laughs> I I really echo what. What Chuck was saying is that there is so much and to try and condense this down to around 20 minutes is in virtually impossible. Um, that's why I would say that uh, the description, particularly for, for, for men and how it's brought out about loving uh, loving our wives as as, we, as God loved the church uh, and loving as our, our own body. There's a, there's a direct tie-in, I believe, to the great commandment, which is not, hey, if you're married, you can do the great commandment. It's, it's, it's a whole, um, the, the principle that I was going after in here is that as marriage reflects the character of who God is and his design for, for demonstrating his love to be in a picture, uh, a, a working design of, of God's love to the world, each and every one of us, whether we're married or not, we're called to do that. And so in being called to represent Christ in all we do and to represent him to the world and represent God's love to the world is not about being married or not being married. It's about being the right kind of person to represent Christ in the best kind of way that we can. So if you're past, you know, the, you know, whatever, I I don't know that there's a past age for marriage because I've had some wonderful friends of mine that have gotten married in their seventies. So um, point taken. (laughs) The, the point is is that we're always being conformed into the image of Christ. We're always being called to represent him well and to show the world God's love. That was, God, that was Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17 before he went to the cross. Hey, I want them to be unified. I want them to see my love for them. And then the world would know that I love them.
2: I think some of us are list makers and some of us really like that whole thing like can you get to the so what and I, and I write my little notes of what it is I'm going to do this week you know how do I apply this this week so if I'm listening to the message and, and I'm saying yes okay yes marriage is a good way for me to reflect God's love what would be some more specific things that I would do differently in my week this week because of that truth
1: Well, I they guess they nod and they smile at me, but nobody talks. <laughs> uh, well, quick, quick, quick! Hitting thoughts. If you're married, um, I, I would, I would dare you. All right, Ooh. a Ooh. double dog dare you. I love dare. I'm going to write this down. I love, down. There. I love there. out. I would just invite you to actually ask your spouse that question. Where, where can I grow? How can I love you better? Where can I serve you better? I mean, why not? What's, what's the worst thing that could happen? Don't think about that. Ask a question anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's a safe place to start if you're married right now. That's an easy place to start and a, a way to get the conversation going. How can I love you better? Um, you know, I get, And if you're not married, I think one of the things that 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 I have done um, 100 years ago before I got married was um, you're looking into that, particularly the Ephesians 5 passage, which really resonates with me, is essentially trying to d- take my dating priorities and just line it up there and say, okay, if I'm going to grow to be a man who ultimately loves and serves another woman for the rest of my life, um, I'm asking questions. So I don't have, a, oh, here's one, two, three to do. But I'm asking the question, okay, is my life, therefore, am I developing the values of commitment, <laughs> sacrifice, patience and other-centeredness, okay? And where in my life am I doing that as a, as a man, as a young man, as a guy in high school, in junior high, even in college or post-college, whatever? Am I developing that? And then the same for, for the woman as well. So I just kind of pull out, if it were me, I'd pull out that Ephesians 5 passage, just look at it and ask the questions and reflect my life against it and ask the questions where and how and, and have friends kind of join me in that process.
0: I didn't even jump into the, the First Peter chapter 3 passage with you. But uh, particularly once again for the for the guys, it talks about living with your wife with understanding, and so that goes back to what Tim was saying about asking questions, discovering who discovering who your wife is, and 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 those are those are kind of we would say little things, but all the little things add up to huge things that make a marriage, uh, particularly a Christian marriage, you know, different. Being considerate. doing doing the things that that you know that your wife has asked you to do on a regular basis whether it's you know picking up your socks or wiping off the countertop or you know whenever you finish with that put it away every time not after you know oh I finished this and I have this project do over here and the resp- and before you know oh well, I've done all these projects but you didn't you know little thing it's just the little things and all those little things add up to be a huge thing
2: um, this next one it's a total chain kind of change of topic here but And and the person who wrote it worded it so well, I'm not even going to paraphrase. I'm just going to read. Um, It seems like a hard balance, and and this, you you guys can decide whether or not you want to defer this to next week, because I know you're talking about this in the realm of brokenness next week. But it seems like a hard balance to talk about what perfect marriage looks like and brokenness together. As you stated, we're all broken, so there's no perfect marriage. My question is this, how as a church do we be sensitive to the gay community who we need to love just as much as anyone else? how do we not scare them away as we talk about God's ideal plan for marriage? I I didn't say this was going to be easy.
0: I would would think, okay, if if what we're called to do is to to love God completely and love others completely, there's a couple couple things that we need to do. We need to be honest and say, this is what God has said. And so when when we approach, you know, the Word of God, we, we say this is this is honestly what God has said and then it's not loving to come alongside of someone and condemn them. Why? Because I'm just as broken. I I I, I am I am I am broken. And when and, and how God addresses that particular subject, boy, it's a it's a it's a, a hot a hot topic that is 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 very <laughs> I wouldn't say difficult, but it's difficult to talk about, particularly in, in, in the day and age that we live in. But if we do that and approach that like Christ would approach it, in love, I think that, that would be the way that we would be sensitive to that, to that community
1: and love them well. Um, thanks. Every time I look at you, you look back at me <laughs> as if I have something important to say. One of these days I'll have something profound. oh uh, Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. But that whole
2: passing it off to Tim thing—that's you do it really well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. This will come back. Um, Yeah. Good. Good comments. Good comments. Um, A couple quick thoughts. One is I'm not—I'm not too afraid um, to call sin sin. And here's what I mean: I'm not afraid to say that worry is a sin. Okay. Uh, Anxiety is a sin. Pride is a sin. um, Pornography is a sin. Okay, so here's what I mean by that that when we label something sin, sometimes it can be like the scarlet letter, like it'll never go off. And I don't feel that way about sin, so I'm not afraid to call sin, sin. So, that being said, if you're in that community here, sin, 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 those in the gay community know that you don't even need the church to tell you what the church thinks. You just already have that sense of, like, we don't know if we can trust the church. And so we need to be very sensitive to kind of work beyond that and say, how can we love those? Because the question is, can can those in the gay community be welcome in church? Yeah, I mean, can sinners right be welcome in church? Yeah, because you know what? I'm looking at you, and you're looking at me. I mean, truthfully, okay. So that's why I say I don't. I'm not. A, I don't feel like like sin is not the end of life. In fact, it's just life. It's just what we're all a part of. So I I don't have a problem doing that. But here's the thing as well. I think we all respect people who do two things: speak the truth and speak in love, and and do both well. I think we have a problem sometimes of respecting people who don't speak the truth and only, quote-unquote, love and aren't willing to say hard things. But we also don't respect people who are just about saying hard things and not loving well. And so that balance of how do I speak the truth and do it in love and love people because this is what what God has done for us, man, let's do that and let's speak the truth. And we can respect each other, we can differ, we can disagree and all that, we can fight about that. But we can still, at the, the end of the day, love one another because I think what Paul said is true, that there is neither slave nor free, um, Jew nor Gentile. We are, we, the ground, as we say, is level at the cross. And so, hey, welcome, <laughs> welcome to the reality that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So while I was still stuck in my selfishness, stuck in my pride, stuck in whatever it is, Jesus Christ died for us. So anyway, that's, that's somewhere I come from. I don't know if that does, any, does anything.
3: Just to echo, I I would just say that regardless uh, of—this is maybe a—I haven't thought a lot about this statement, but regardless um, of—can I say sexual orientation? Regardless of how we even define or view marriage, because we're human, we're scarred by the effects of sin. Mm -hmm. And so the idea—none of us, none of us are going to be able to reach the ideal, you know, of truly— using marriage to represent god's love for mankind that's why i say when i go down in the street it's blurry i look at my own marriage and i think it's blurry you know now i want to make it clear you know um so i would say that you know the bigger issue is how do we control, how do we control how we control by the spirit in our lives so that we can better reflect who god is and what he wants to demonstrate to the world i'm not begging the question because I agree with what you're saying but I would say, you know, it's, it's easy to jump on that, but regardless of any of that, regardless of any way we view sex and sexuality or relationships, we have to agree that sin has, has scarred it. And therefore, we're going to all look at it blurry. I think there is absolute truth. And again, speaking of truth and love, I would agree. But um, I guess I would take it one step. I'd be willing to have that conversation and go kind of one step back and say, how has sin impacted my ability to relate? In, in any kind of healthy relationship, which is kind of getting the next week and some of the other things that we're going to talk about.
2: Our next two questions, because I bet you were pretty sure this was going to come up with this leadership, leadership submission thing. So and, and you did touch on this a bit on the message, but I suspect there's people here that are really struggling with this. OK, so so, you know, from a husband's perspective, how do I love her? or actually the question came in, what if your husband doesn't live like the Lord? How do I submit to that? But in all fairness to husbands, you know, you've got husbands that are loving and the wife doesn't respect. How, and, or do you want to put, punt this off the next week when we talk about brokenness?
1: I love how the question started, what if your husband doesn't live like the Lord? What if?
2: <laughs> oh, he doesn't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just take the what if out of there. My husband does not live like the Lord. Now what do I do? Things. That's true. Sorry, I didn't mean to. Were you going to say something? No, sorry. You're, hey, you're on a roll. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm done. I said all my really good things. I, just,
3: I, I, think, what it, I think what I'm hearing this morning is because I, I, can, I can walk away, I don't know if you can, kind of discouraged in the sense that, wow. And again, I, I've said this every time I've talked. Um, the, the, um, the ideal, I feel like I'm so far away from the ideal, but there is hope. Because just like we talked about last week, we're going to say the same next week. I don't want to, like they did to me. I don't want to steal his introduction next week. Um, But but there, there is hope. You know, uh, coming to the cross, there is hope. um, Because it's not what if. It's if if they don't. And you know, and I I could I could say I've seen relationships where just because the man was living right or wasn't right, the other person didn't respond in the right way to that. And I don't I'm probably not answering the question except to offer that there is hope without getting into next week's talk. Well,
0: th- this, uh, I, I echo everything they say. Um, this is one of the hardest messages to, to, to bring. You know, I, I'm, I'm sitting over here and Tim's like, hey, have you got it memorized? <laughs> um, no, I'm overwhelmed with my inadequacy to stand here and convey something that is so far above what I know and what I feel and what I have experienced because I am so messed up I am so broken and yet we still have to speak the truth and represent and be, be be truthful about this is what God's standard is this is what he has designed for us. And so we have to, to say that, but I am, I am the first one that said at the beginning, I'm the first one to stand here and say, hey, I, I, I haven't done that. But so how do you do that? Men, we have to be willing to stand up and take the leadership responsibility. We have to be willing to, to do that. So how do you take the leadership responsibility? The, the biggest thing that, that men, we hate, we hate hypocrisy. We cannot stand it. And so that keeps us from... Being a spiritual leader in our home, we don't want to pray with our wife because that is so difficult. Because my wife knows all my flaws and knows that I just you know was arguing at her you know three three days ago, now, now or three hours ago, three minutes ago, and now I'm supposed to put my arm around you and say, "Oh Lord, help us." We're, we're supposed to be whole, you know. No, no, no. We do that in spite of where we are. We must step into that and overcome that. You know, fear. If we were to step into that role. Your wife, I promise you, would st- would come alongside and say, go, 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 and be that helper or supporter that God designed. It's, it works that way. It's amazing. We step into that fear.
3: And I think it's a feeling of, of saying, I'm not where I want to be, but hopefully each day I'm farther than where I was. <laughs> There's this drive that says, I want to become more like the ideal. So, I, so the way to do that is to you gotta go back to the garden. Now we can't, but I can submit myself to at the foot of the cross and say I'm in desperate need of of God to change me so that I can be the husband I need to be so my marriage can represent what God wants to represent. Yeah.
1: Yeah that's I have good. a
2: fantastic follow up question but we're gonna save it for next week. Let's,
1: let's do it. Let's save that for next week. Um, oh, good I'm doing that? That's okay. You all right? <clears throat> yeah.
2: all right. They want to get right. lunch sometime. Yeah
1: that's
3: fantastic you.
2: though. All right you have
1: to come back. We'll have to come back, yeah, cliffhanger for next week. Um, good stuff, but this is, why, this is why we talk about the ideal and then come back to the real, because all of us are going to push back against the ideal and say, whoa, 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 I don't know anyone who's doing that, but what's the alternative? Not talking about the ideal? Like, we've, we've got to. We've got to have some kind of hope and vision out there of what we think God wants for us. We've got to have that vision. No matter what age you are, what stage of life, we've got to have that vision of God's ideal. So that's why we talk about it. And the natural pushback is, yeah, but. So next week, Joel will answer all the yeah, buts in the broken part of marriage that he's going to kick out about next week, all right? In, in 20 minutes. In 20 it's minutes it. or less, all right? <laughs> hey, let's let's pray together. Thanks for your interaction this morning, guys, for your engagement. And uh, let's pray together, and then we'll, we'll, we'll keep going from there. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity this morning to... Um, To engage on this issue to talk about this to hear um, about this ideal concept of marriage that we are honest is beyond our practical experience and yet we also hope that just little snippets of it become more and more real for us that moments of unselfishness moments of support moments of other centeredness gradually increase in our lives rather than decrease that we can gradually even if just in little increments become more and more aware of how we can grow and support and love one another around us and particularly in the marriage environment so father we thank you for the opportunity to kind of rally around the ideal concepts think about them consider them even push back against them that they can get further and further into our daily experience we love you and thank you for our time together this morning in jesus name